Good evening from Turkey Pines in the happy holiday hollow section of Shadow City, and welcome to the Jack Lantern Press podcast where we discuss monsters and Halloween. My name is Michael Piccarella. And my name's Tom Piccarella. Tonight's episode Thanksgiving Monsters. <laughs> Halloween is over, we're bummed about it. And that music you heard at the head of the show and what you're hearing now is by Vince Guaraldi from 1973's A Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Yep, Thanksgiving is upon us. And while I love A Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, there's one thing about that classic Thanksgiving cartoon that I've always found weird. Um, Well, first of all, you obviously know Woodstock, right? You know, Woodstock, for those who don't know, is a yellow bird. And according to the Peanuts wiki page, there's a series of strips from September and October of 1980 where Snoopy attempts to find out what type of bird Woodstock is by using a guide to birds book. So Snoopy suggests the following. A crow, an American bittern, bittern, I don't know how that's pronounced, a Caroline Wren, a Rufus-sided Toey, a yellow-billed Cuckoo, a Canada Goose, a Warbler, and a Morning Warbler. In the strip on October 11th, 1980, Snoopy finally gives up and says, For all I know, you're a duck. So, we really don't know what kind of bird Woodstock is, but we know he's <laughs> a bird. Huh? <laughs> That's funny. He says he's a duck. Yeah, I guess uh, in the strip, uh, Woodstock's a little mad about that, too. But, um, yeah, so we don't know what kind of bird he is. They never actually say, anywhere I could find, it never says what kind of bird he is. But we know he is a bird. So back to a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. At the very end of that cartoon, Snoopy and Woodstock are seen enjoying a feast together. Now, I get Snoopy enjoying some turkey, but Woodstock, a bird, is chowing down too. So that's like one of his own brethren, and he's devouring him, and he's loving it. (laughs) So, this evening, as we sit here among wild turkeys and turkey pines, one of the many holiday lands you'll find in Happy Holiday Hollow, you'll, you'll, of course, you guys have all gotten Transylvania Traveler, right? All this stuff is in there. So, if you haven't gotten it, go to jacklanternpress.com and go ahead and purchase it. In any event, as we sit here among wild turkeys, trying to stay away from gobblers, more about those guys later, Tom and I we'll try to prepare for Thanksgiving with some discussions about birds, stuff to keep you in the monster mood after Halloween, Noir-vember, Hitch-giving, and Bigfoot at the first Thanksgiving. So, Tom, what do you say? You ready for Thanksgiving? Yep, I'm ready to go. All right, so up first we have birds. So, Tom, when you came down uh, to my place for Halloween week, we we went to uh, Universal Studios um, Halloween Horror Nights, and there was a maze called Holidays in Hell, um, which was, you know, basically all the major holidays. They did a, a haunted version of those, and there was a Thanksgiving section with killer turkeys. They were like these zombified turkeys who take revenge on those who invade Turkey Nation with hatchets and dinner plates. Um, We call those in our universe gobblers. 
Um, but it was kind of a cool scene, you know, you, you, you went in and it was kind of like a Norman Rockwell scene, except the turkeys had basically destroyed all the humans and, you know, were going after him and killing him. It was a bloody mess. So um, well, it was kind of... Well, first, first step, step back a little bit, because one of the things that I think I liked a lot about about the maze in general was they had artwork in each section. And so for the section of November being Thanksgiving, they had, wasn't it like a, a, a turkey on the front and he had like his mouth open. I think he had some fangs or something on there. And then they yeah. had, you know, like a, like a neat sort of, sort of saying in the background and it, it looked like some really cool cover artwork and each holiday had it. But since we're talking more about, you know, Thanksgiving, um, you know, that was the, the opening of the scene for us. And then as you walk through and make your way through, they always had like some sort of sheet or something to divide up, you know, places so they can jump out at you and whatnot. And, you know, Mike and I both were, were traveling through this pretty slow um trying to see as much as we can but once again you're getting jumped out at people are you know wanting you to hurry up so we tried to see as much as we possibly could um which is a little disappointing because i would have loved to have been able to at least just kind of stand there and check out what you know what they were doing um but overall i mean i thought it was great the the detail that they had that we were at least able to see with the you know the turkey wasn't there that the guy that was on like the table and the turkey yeah, he was, was like, like bent up. up. He was like bent up like a, a Thanksgiving turkey and he looked like he was cooked too. And then a lot of the the people sitting around the table feasting, they were all, you know, eaten up or gobbled up by, you know, these big turkeys that who were jumping out of, you know, little nooks and crannies from the uh, the living room. Uh, or dining room, whatever it was. Um, it was it was very cool. And I sometimes wonder if maybe Woodstock is a gobbler. You know, he, in that cartoon, he was like two steps away from unleashing his terror on the Peanuts gang. But <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know. <clears throat> but I wanted to bring up, you know, speaking of, of these terrorizing turkeys, I wanted to bring up another terrorizing turkey. Uh, and this is a true story. So in, in this story from December 2nd, 2011, it was told on episode 452 of This American Life, the podcast. Um, the episode was called Poultry Slam 2011. And if you haven't listened to the This American Life podcast, they, they usually separate um, the podcast up into acts. And they'll have like a theme for the show. So in this case, it was Poultry Slam. It's it's um, their Thanksgiving episode. And so the second act with the second story of the podcast was one called Murder Most Foul by Sam Bungie. And this story, I actually, I've actually listened to this a number of times, usually on Thanksgiving. Um, but according to the story, the number of wild turkeys in the United States has risen from 30,000 at the beginning of the 20th century to 1.3 million in the 1970s Holy cow. to 7 million today. Now, that, that was in 2011, so I didn't check the numbers to see you know, if that's changed. But those are wild turkeys in the U.S., so that's a lot of dang turkeys that's a lot of, well, that's just wild turkeys those aren't the turkeys you know being bred to you know be put on your table 
Um, in any event, so this story is about one particular wild bur uh, burkey, turkey called Tom the Turkey, who in 2008 unleashed a reign of terror on Martha's Vineyard. It's packing the car. It's pissed. It is attacking the car. It wants in here really bad. It's making weird noises. So this was like it was a wild turkey and he would go around people's homes and actually like charge people and if they were driving up like mailmen um, or people delivering stuff he would he wouldn't let them get out of their vehicles he would actually circle the car and and attack he would charge people and some people tried to organize a bounty but I guess wild turkeys are protected so they couldn't even do that and then in in the story one of the people also um, talked about how Tom the turkey actually had a band of road rogue turkeys like he had a bunch of turkeys that would go after this people. is this is an actual true story this is a true story yeah and I don't want to give oh, away wow. too much but I will say you have to listen to this podcast. Now, the thing that sucks is if you go into your podcast app and you search This American Life Poultry Slam 2011, you won't find it because it's off of their podcast stream. Um, so what you have to do is if you if you have the This American Life premium app, you can search it. Or if you go online and you search their website, if you actually just type in This American Life poultry slam 2011 you should be able to find it but what we'll do is we'll we'll put a link in the show notes so that you can go to it and i highly recommend listening to this story it's, it's just insane uh what happened like the and, that, and the fact that it's a true story and don't just listen to that act the whole episode has a lot of really crazy stories but i only bring up this one because it's somewhat halloween themed i mean this turkey was a monster God, no go away so definitely check that out um i think that monster lovers will uh, will definitely appreciate it um yeah, oh and i'm gonna also, have to actually go check it out because i i haven't even listened to that one i didn't even know you were gonna bring that up so that's kind of neat i'm gonna have to check it out yeah d definitely check it out and i will say the last line in the uh, the show or in that that story says it all and i'm not going to spoil it but just definitely listen to it so uh yeah definitely check that out <laughs> so moving on to um to stuff to keep you in the monster mood after halloween uh, tom i think you had a couple things you wanted to bring up i know you and i talk always talk about how once halloween's over we're we're always kind of bummed like sometimes i'll be walking through the neighborhood a week after and people will still have their Halloween stuff out and I'm still kind of bummed that Halloween's over and sometimes I'll even watch monster movies um, so what about you what what did you do this year um, once Halloween was over so I mean obviously you know I was at your place you know for Halloween and uh, you know I left and you know came back went to work but it does suck you know I mean you put away your Halloween decorations um, you know, and then you kind of settle in and you're saying to yourself, you know, man, I can't believe that Halloween's over. But, but obviously for us, you know, we're always looking into, you know, 
holiday things, uh, you know, even whether it's it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. We always want to try to bring monsters, you know, into, into something um, just because we like it so much. So I usually try to either settle down and grab some books or, you know, lately, you know, probably the last few years, five, six years since virtual reality has become so big and I love the heck out of it, um, I... I, I just go into VR experiences uh, and and just kind of continue on with like, like the horror stuff. So if anybody is you know wants to keep the Halloween spirit going, there are so many uh, Halloween experiences that you can jump into and enjoy. And and so this this year they had a they had a cool one. Um, it's called Richie's Plank Experience, and it's it's a Normally, it's just something you, you get in an elevator, uh, you go up the elevator, you come out, and you walk the plank, and you could fall off the building. I actually showed Mike when I was down there. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, my gosh. No. Oh, my gosh. It's too real. My palms are sweaty. That is so cool. I'll have to go back. No, I don't want to. That dang thing, uh, I had heard about something like it when when that um, movie about the guy who walked the the high wire from um, you know between the two twin towers, and I heard that they did it when the the Robert Zemeckis movie came out, and people would not walk it. I remember thinking, you know, that you're not on a wire, you're not going to fall. I, don't, I just don't understand how you can how you're not going to walk across like it just doesn't matter and then you showed me that dang thing and i i'm telling you i could not it's step nuts. out of the elevator because basically you're supposed to step out of the elevator on this plank and then you were telling me okay go ahead and step off the plank Oh my god, oh my god. And I I couldn't do it. I could not do it. And eventually I did, but man, there's just there's some sort of instinct in your mind that just is saying no. <laughs> yeah, so. it it and 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 to to go back to, you know, just even the horror side of things, I mean, that, if you're afraid of heights, it's going to freak you out. <laughs> but what they, what they did with, with it around the, the Halloween season is they called it nightmare mode. And so if anybody does have this VR experience, go back in the elevator and there's a panel that's off to the left side. You open the panel up and you're going to see a bunch of numbers in there. And what you want to do is you want to press the number six three times and then it changes the whole entire environment into like this dark horror sort of environment. And the elevator then, you know, goes up and when the elevator doors open, well, actually, before that, when you when you press 666, uh, all these spiders are all over the place. 
and they're crawling all down the sides. And then there's a big spider that's right at the door. Uh, you're standing there and it gets, keeps getting closer and closer. And then obviously right before it's about to leap at you, the doors close. But it's it's pretty freaky. And then it takes you up the elevator and you start walking out on on the, the plank. Uh, and there's a telephone that's on this like little pedestal thing. And you, you basically walk out and the, the phone is ringing. And right when you go to pick the phone up and you go to put it to your ear, the plank drops out from underneath you and you fall down the, you know, down like you would if you stepped off the plank. And when you get to the bottom, everything turns dark and then you're standing in this dark room where this dentist guy who's in this like black sort of suit uniform with this mask over his face and he has a drill in his hand and he comes real close to you and then they have it to where the drill like attaches to your face and no matter where you put your face you're hearing this drill going on with the with the drill on your face and you're trying to move away but you can't move away from it so then it like starts you know blacking out like it goes dark and then it comes back and goes dark like you're passing out when you wake up you're standing in the middle of a street and this bus comes and blasts you and then that's the end of the experience did you, but did you know about this when you came down or you found out about this after i found out about it after i had no idea it was even in there i knew that Dang, even yeah. last year they had done something with it as well but uh, when I came home and I was like, oh, you know, what am I going to do now? You know, I, I went into some of my VR stuff and I found, you know, that they had a nightmare mode. So I went into it and it's pretty freaky. Uh, they definitely did a good job. But it, so Richie's Plank Experience is on Steam. If anybody, you know, knows what that is, it's also on the Oculus Rift store. If you have, uh, you know, anybody owns a headset, you know, they definitely should check this out. Um, it was released on December 13th, 2000. 17 it's by a developer named toast um they they've done a great job if you have an oculus quest they just came out with it for that as well so you could purchase it on there it's 15 dollars, and uh i don't know it's probably one of the best just fun little experiences that you could put somebody in and and I, get the the gist I of think vr it would be a, a fun thing to have at parties because a lot of the fun is just watching other people do it, you know, to see if they would act. Because some people won't, you know, won't do it. I know we put my son in it and he kind of did it quick, but I would imagine it would be pretty fun to put people in it. I guarantee you people won't do it. You know, oh, I've, I've would... had people fall. I've had people fall. I've had people that they, they won't even get off the elevator to even try it. And they sweaty hands they're cursing a yeah, lot like i mean it's it is unbelievable <clears throat> but that brings me up to another one another vr experience um that's really scary uh i don't think i've brought this one up in the past in any of our uh past episodes but this one's called dread halls
And uh, this was uh, released on March 9th, 2017. Uh, the developer is White Door Games. And let me tell you that this one's pretty freaky as well. And um, I put you in this as well, but you got a little motion sickness. But it's the dungeon oh, one yeah. where you're, you're kind of walking through and you have the, the light. Um, but yeah, it's got smooth locomotion and it doesn't have like a teleportation sort of movement on it, but it, it gets freaky. Um, stuff pops out, jumps out. There's monsters all through this thing. And they definitely set the mood in this one where, uh, you just have no clue when something is going to pop out and they, they'll like intensify music. They'll intensify the moment. They'll dark things out. And then you'll go around the corner and nothing will be there. And then you're like, oh, okay, nothing was there. And then boom, something will will hit you. And and uh, it's it's pretty freaky. And as as it progresses, um, it it just keeps getting worse and worse. But it's like a a massive dungeon. You're trapped like deep inside of it, and you're exploring and you're trying to find a way out. <laughs> That's so. That's another one that you can you can jump into, um, and then I wanted to bring up a, a game that just came out uh, on the Nintendo Switch called Luigi's Mansion 3. I guess it hasn't been getting very good reviews, but uh, it was released October 31st, 2019, uh, worldwide, and I think it's neat. And if you're not familiar with Luigi's Mansion. Um, the developer it's not Luigi, is Luigi, like Mario and Luigi, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it it's is Mario and Luigi. Oh. Mario. And so they they have this is number three, and the other one came out a long time ago. I think it came out on the GameCube first, and that that game was great. I don't think the third one is as good as as the original. Um, but let me just say this real quick: obviously, the publisher is Nintendo. Um, Next Level uh, Games is the developer of it. Uh, Bryce Holiday is the director. Um, you got Alex McFarlane, uh, Bajorn Nash, and Kensuke Tabe. I, I don't know how to say his last name. They're the producers, um, and Brian Davis for the the programmer. But um, I I think it's fun. You go around. You got like this little backpack on with this vacuum, and you're vacuuming up ghosts and solving puzzles in a huge mansion. And uh, you got a, this flashlight that you're going all over the place, and and uh, you know it's 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 kind of a, an action adventure sort of game that I think is fun. So it's kind of it's a third person perspective. If somebody hasn't checked it out, they definitely should go check it out. Um, at least check the series out if you're not familiar with it. Um, and it's just a single player campaign. So if you don't want to, you know, it's not like a multiplayer one or anything like that. You could just jump in. It saves your progress as you as you go. So uh, I think it's I think it's really fun. Um, and definitely check that out. And then the one last thing that that uh, I kind of am wasting my time with here is uh, 
I've been getting into the Simpsons. <laughs> you're, oh, you're wasting. I thought you meant wasting your time talking about it, but you mean you're just wasting time playing it or something? Yeah, I'm just wasting time like doing because I I'm trying to just stay into the mood of of Halloween and and monsters, and so I just keep pulling up all this different stuff uh, to just stay in the mood, and and this is what I usually do in November. Uh, before you know Christmas comes in but even when Christmas comes in you know which we'll get to in another episode but uh, going back to uh, another thing that I'm doing is when Mike and I went to Universal Studios um, that was the first time I had been there since they I mean they put the Simpsons in a long time ago but I had never seen it and uh, so we we went into this huge you know area if anybody's ever been to Universal Studios Hollywood and they have this whole land of the Simpsons and they were playing this this treehouse horror music and it was really loud and we were talking about it on <laughs> on our October 31st episode. Um, but then we started watching the, the, the cartoons for the Treehouse of Horror um, series and let me tell you, it's, it's really neat. And now, the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror Retrospective. And shameless plug... You know, Halloween is a very strange holiday. Come on, give it some candy. Personally, I don't understand it. Kids worshiping ghosts? Frankenstein, the Booger Man. Pretending to be devils? Flanders! <laughs> it's always the one you least suspect. Oh, things on TV that are completely inappropriate for younger viewers. <laughs> Take that, vile fiend! Ah! Uh, Dad? That's his crutch. Things like the following happen. There's nothing wrong with your television set. We are controlling the transmission. What's that, boy? We're in control? I can see my voice. Blip, 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 blip. My name is Kang. This is my sister, Kodos. Hello, space aliens. Don't eat me. I have a wife and kids. Eat them. Get your slimeless hands off her. Stop. We have reached the limits of what rectal probing can teach us. <laughs> Even worse, it's scarier. No TV and no beer make Homer something something. Go crazy. Don't mind if I do. More violent. They snuck in some bad language, too. Holy flirking schnit. So please, tuck in your children. <coughs> Instead of writing us angry letters tomorrow. Thanks for your attention. The original air date for for those that series was October 25th, 1990. It looks like they have about 16 episodes of it. Um... But yeah, you have the whole collection. I haven't even been through them all yet. I don't have yet, the whole I... thing. 
there's I believe three of them that you can buy on on Apple and I think I bought the first one um, and each one has like um, I forget how many actual episodes um, but it has a bunch of them and they're really fun I mean there's a lot of like horror movie references from you know old horror movies to you know the contemporary ones of the time that the show came out and they're always funny they're always always really smart um but yeah then at the end there's the credits that 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 music um which is always every time i hear it i'm gonna think about trying to eat that hamburger and talk and that music was just cranked yeah (laughs) the music was definitely cranked up really loud and but I mean, if anybody's interested in in kind of kicking back with some more you know horror related content, you know in the in the month of November, you know my suggestion to you is maybe maybe go grab those Treehouse of Horror series and start watching them. They're fun, and uh, I don't know. It, it like I said, it's it's more things that that you could do to to kind of stay in the mood. So uh, definitely recommend that as well. Um, next up, we have uh, Noirvember. So it is November, and that does mean Noirvember. And if if you guys don't know what Noirvember is, um, so I don't even know when this started. I couldn't find exactly when, but there's this lady um, who started it on social media. She works for like Netflix now. Um, I believe she does like social media stuff. She worked for Turner classic movies and stuff. But before that, um, her name's Maria Gates and she started November on social media and, and she wrote a little origins thing about, uh, November on, uh, her Facebook page. Um, she wrote this on October 16th. She said, November started out as just a way for me to catch up on the top film noir films, but has since grown into a month-long celebration of noir. Now, film noir is not horror. In fact, there's, there's no monsters in it, but I guarantee you if you love Halloween and monsters and horror and darkness, then chances are you're going to love noir if you don't already. But I, I think what it is, like for me and for a lot of people that love noir, it's the style. It's those heavy shadows, those camera angles, like Dutch tilts or really low angles, high angles. Um, I mean, if you think about it, a lot of horror is like that. Like if you look at the old Val Luton horror films, a lot of that looks like film noir, the black and white, the shadows. Um but then noir also has that great stylistic dialogue. It's got dark characters like hard-boiled detectives, femme fatales, down-on-their-luck losers, thugs, carnies, palookas, plenty of uh, wisecracking anti-heroes. And, and these heroes are oftentimes outsiders. And if you think about it, monster movies are usually about outsiders. I mean, just look at Frankenstein. But I think it's it's the dark stories that they tell um, that is that that's gonna make uh, monster lovers love these these uh, movies. Um, but I think that if you want to get into it, a really good introduction is um, Eddie Muller's 1998 book, Dark City: The Lost World of Film Noir. 
Um, so, so Eddie Muller, for those who don't know, um, he's dubbed the Czar of Noir. Um, he also heads up the Film Noir Foundation, where where the the group preserves old film noir films. Um, he does the Noir City Film Festivals, um, which take place in San Francisco, Seattle, Hollywood, Austin, Boston, Chicago, Detroit, and Washington D.C. And of course, he also hosts Noir Alley on Turner Classic Movies. Um, if you don't have Turner Classic Movies on your cable, you got to get it. So every Saturday night, they do a film noir um, with the Sunday morning encore. What is noir? It's unheralded virtue against unmitigated vice. It's whiskey neat and hearts of ice. It's a soft look in a hard place. It's the end of your rope and the wall at your back. I don't want to die. Neither do I, baby, but if I have to, I'm going to die last. I'm Eddie Muller, your czar of noir. Here on Noir Alley, take shelter from the storm. Spend quality time with harlots and hard cases, gun malls and gangsters, sultry dames and psychopaths. I promise you nothing but lust and larceny, danger and desire. Noir Alley is here with me, Eddie Muller, Sunday mornings at 10 on Turner Classic Movies. Noir, more than ever. I could say that I fell in love with film noir when TCM did um, uh, a series called Darkness After Dawn. So I, I think it was Saturday mornings at that time. But every Saturday morning they would play a film noir. And I just started watching it and just got hooked on these things. And then I did a summer course where um, Turner Classic Movies and Ball State University did an online course called Into the Darkness Investigating Film Noir. And it really just, um, you know, you really start to learn more about these films and you get excited about these dark films. Um, and so then I, I started watching them like crazy and then I found out about Noir Vember. So back to what uh, Maria was saying in her um, origin story of Noir Vember. She said, It's not a blogathon, just a celebration. Watch noir, talk about noir, write about noir, take noir inspired photographs, read noir fiction, etc. Do whatever as long as it's inspired by noir, but try to watch a few films from the original noir era if you can. Then post about what you're doing on any social media platform. Just remember to use hashtag Noirvember. So check that out. <clears throat> uh, you know, watch noirs, and which I've been doing. I've been watching a lot of film noir, and you know, I haven't really posted a ton, but um, I know a lot of people are. Um, Maria, who who started this thing on Twitter, she's at Old Films Flickr. And then she she does a lot of posts on Tumblr as well, which I didn't even know people still use Tumblr, but Yeah, that's still official... heavily used. Is it? Oh, okay. <laughs> well anyway, um her official Tumblr is um http colon backslash backslash film noir and femme So check that out and um uh, you know, it it definitely is cool. Film noir is definitely awesome. Well, and um, and just to kind of just to kind of go off a little bit more with with noir, 
for those of the those people out there that like uh, video games, there's, you know, you could go to Steam and play the L.A. Noir um, video game. Oh yeah, that and does it, look cool. That it actually, it actually cool. has really good reviews on it. Metacritic has it at 89 out of 100 and 8.5 out of 10 by IGN. Um, that released out in May 17th of 2011 by uh, Rockstar Games. And obviously, if people are into video games, that publisher is huge. They've made some great games there. Uh, Red Dead and, and obviously uh, the... Um, Grand Theft Auto series is by Rockstar Games, but they made L.A. Noir, and if you're into VR like I am, they even have a, a VR experience um, inside the L.A. Noir. Uh, oh, are you uh, kidding? Game. You didn't yeah, no, bring that, that down? No, I did. Well, it, it's on oh. a, it's on PC, so I wouldn't oh. be able to bring it down anyway. Well, when I go that's up, that's something that you'll have to do when you when you get here one time. Oh so. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I just I love the. I love the mood. I love like that, that time period, that forties, you know, post-war time period. Um, you know, like the CD bars, the alleyways, boxing rings. I, I love that stuff, which oh, yeah. definitely inspired our shadow city well, in, in our Transylvania book. It's anybody awesome. who's into, into like that, that sort of thing. And if you don't, if you don't get it, you know what noir really is like even some of the recent movies, like, uh, well, it's not recent, but Sin City in 2005, and the new, uh, the newer Sin City in 2014. Um, oh, by the but, way, they just—I yeah. just was reading somewhere that they approved um, a, a Sin City series, and I think oh, really? it's, it's on Apple Plus or something. I can't remember what, but oh, I just saw cool. it like before we started recording here. I should have looked and see, you know, get more details about it, but. Yeah. Anyway, that looks like it's. To I come. mean, these are these are some of the other ones like Dick Dra- uh, Dick Tracy, nineteen ninety movie with Warren Beatty, The Killing from nineteen fifty six, and all also Maltese Falcon nineteen forty one. I mean, those are huge movies. Yeah, um, Maltese Falcon. You know, a lot of people will say is the first official film noir of you know the film noir because their film noir noir is really an era. <clears throat> although some people have different philosophies about it but um you know you could find if you just type up film noir history on youtube you could find some interesting documentaries about it there's plenty out there for sure <laughs> so definitely plenty plenty out there if people are interested in taking a look at it and and kind of going from there but uh you're more into the noir stuff than i am i actually need to get going even more with with watching some more of the older movies, which uh, I'm gonna have to maybe maybe that's something I'll I'll jump into at the the second half of November here. Yeah, you definitely got to do that. So the next thing is something that I've been doing for years, um, and I kind of just came up with it on my own, uh, which I call hitch giving. Um, it's surprising, but some people just don't understand how Hitchcock suspense movies have anything to do with the holiday about giving thanks and, you know, spending time with your family. But um, for some reason, it just worked out for me. So in in uh, November of 2012, um, I wrote uh, a newspaper column because I write a newspaper column called Family Men Don't Wear Name Brands. And I wrote a story about 
watching Hitchcock movies at Thanksgiving. So I wanted to just read um, the beginning of it, um, the beginning few lines here. So on the plus side, however, Thanksgiving is about turkey and Hitch did cook up one heck of a film about birds. I don't quite recall how watching Hitchcock films on Thanksgiving came to be a tradition of mine. I think there were a couple of Thanksgiving holidays in a row where I happened to be in the mood for a slice of murder. Then one year I went with it, I went without, and I knew I was missing something delicious. The next year I made sure to watch The Birds. The year after that I watched The Birds and a few other Hitch classics. But last year I made plans for the tastiest Thanksgiving Hitch movie marathon of all. I had the entire holiday program through dinner with all the trimmings and Psycho for dessert. So, I made a lineup of films. Um, and originally I had it where I was I would watch all the films that day. And then it just turned out that there was never enough time on Thanksgiving because we were either, either traveling or, you know, with people. And, you know, just not really, I wasn't really able to watch all the films. So then I spread it out. Uh, one film a day for you know seven days but here here's the lineup so if you're doing this on one day at 6 a.m you would watch 1946 is notorious or you would watch it on the friday before thanksgiving Then the next film would be 1951's Strangers on a Train. So that's either going to be at 7.45 a.m. on Thanksgiving or it's going to be Saturday. Um, you have 1954's Rear Window, which would either be 9.30 a.m. or the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Then there would be 1958's Vertigo. And that's at 11.30 or it would be on Monday. Uh, 1956's The Wrong Man. at 1.40 or on Tuesday. Um, then 1959's North by Northwest. That's uh, 3.30 um, or on Wednesday. And then the main course, um, and this is on Thanksgiving Day for sure. Um, typically I would do this at 5.50. Um, there's not one bird that you're going to have for this feast, but many, and that's for 1963's The Birds.
And then for dessert, which would be around 750, um, 1960s Psycho. Um, so yeah, uh, I like to do that. Um, and like I said, lately I've been doing it the week the week before. Um, just watching the films that way, but um, I don't know. For some reason, it just works. Um, I wrote a few stories about um, watching the this mo movie marathon, and I will uh, put a link to those stories um, in the show notes. Yeah, you know what's funny? I'm sitting here looking at at his filmography, and I mean, he even goes back to silent films, like 1922, oh, yeah. number 13, Always Tell Your Wife. The Pleasure Garden, The Mountain Eagle. I mean, you know, those are all... I mean, some of these are lost. Like, they don't even know where the original footage is. Uh, but man, holy cow, he's made a ton of movies. A ton of films, yeah. I mean, yeah. he... So, I remember when, when I was in film school, and for Christmas one year, Mom got me, like, a big Alfred Hitchcock set. And I was thinking, oh, I'm getting the birds, and... And North by Northwest and the, and the big ones that most people know. But these, but what I got was a lot of the old ones, um, like The Wrong Man, um, or not The Wrong Man, sorry. Um, uh, uh, now I'm forgetting the name of it. Uh, strange, no, 13 Steps or something. Jeez, I don't know why I'm forgetting it. In any event, um, they were all his older movies, and they're they're really no, great it's, films. It's, uh... You were probably doing the 1935, uh, the 39 steps. 39 steps. Uh, yeah, 39 steps. Yeah, I knew it was yeah. wrong. I was like, oh, there's something. yeah, anyway. I don't know why I forgot it, but for whatever reason I did. But anyway, a lot of still a lot of great movies in his earlier stuff is definitely worth checking out. Maybe one of these Thanksgivings I'll, I'll make a new list and it'll have his older movies as well. Because there's definitely yeah, a well, lot of Yeah, well, the lineup movies. that you have is pretty good anyway, so people definitely should check those out. Yeah, it, it definitely is a good Thanksgiving. And you know, the funny thing is one year, I can't remember what channel, but they had a Hitchcock marathon because my wife was always saying like, what does Hitchcock have to do with Thanksgiving? It doesn't even make sense. And I would always joke and just say, well, the birds, you know, it's well, but carving that's, that's and even like They used to, they used to do um, uh, the Twilight Zone and they stopped doing it. They don't even put it on there anymore. Yeah, in they do friend. They do where I live. They do a Friends marathon, which is kind of lame. But yeah, I mean, you know, that, I, we'll do that for another. That, that Friends is 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 a bad show, but I would much rather have the Twilight Zone playing. I mean that that has like the eerie stuff in there. Um, I I would much prefer to have that. But yeah, it if, just if works. You, if you don't have the Twilight Zone, and, and you want to watch Friends, you could watch Friends, but it's not anything to do with monsters or Halloween. So <laughs> Yeah. But, yeah, so anyway, one year, Hitchcock movies were on. I remember thinking, wow, because I was already doing my my marathon for years, um, and then all of a sudden someone was playing it, but that was the last time I ever saw that. It was just that that one year. But in any event, yeah, it's it's definitely a cool tradition that I like. Um, you know, and maybe other people will enjoy it too. <laughs> Next up, um, Bigfoot at the first Thanksgiving. And the reason this came up is there was a painting that I saw online. It's called the first Thanksgiving 1621. It was painted by Jean Leon Jerome Ferris sometime between 1912 and 1915. And yeah, 
<laughs> it, I'm just I'm, I know I'm interrupting, but uh, this picture is kind of funny. <laughs> you know, they got they got the pilgrims there in the back. They got the Indians sitting down. You know, the woman's handing off the the turkey, and Bigfoot's chilling behind <laughs> the Indians there. <laughs> it's yeah, he's, just he's funny. right there. He's right there in the ce- the celebration. And my question to you is, when I searched this painting online, I found the exact painting and there was no Bigfoot. So my question is, why was he removed? Or was he, yeah. was, or the, the other question is, was he, so was he there um, or not? You know, was Bigfoot even around at that time? So we did some research. Um, yeah. first off, I mean, people have to, uh, we have to agree that Bigfoot is even real. And we talked about this on, on our friend, Matt Douglas's podcast, Nightmare 365. But Tom, uh, I can't remember what you said. Did you say you did, or you wanted to, or do you feel well, that he's no. real? Uh, so like, like I, I, I would love to believe that there is, but after the, the guy died that had the Bigfoot costume on, I kind of lost, lost all belief in that. I mean, look at look at the the shows they have online or, or on TV now. I mean, they never have any footage, and there's no way with the amount of cameras that we have, with the amount of technology that we have, that there is we have not spotted Bigfoot. And so I, I no longer believe that there is a Bigfoot, um, but it's a neat. Uh, it's a neat thing that that I think people do. It's fun to capture the you imagination. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I will but, say I mean, this. Now, this there was a poll that the Associated Press did in 2014. Yeah, I know that was five years ago, but still, um, and it found that more Americans believe in Bigfoot than they do the Big Bang Theory. I oh, thought that and was they're serious about it. Yeah. So oh, interesting. Just because of that, so I'll just say, yeah, he is in fact real. So if Bigfoot is real, now can we place him in the place Plymouth, which is well, what is now Massachusetts, New England area, and at the time, which would be 1621 for that first Thanksgiving. So from some other research I found, about one-third of all claims of Bigfoot sightings are located in the Pacific Northwest, with the remaining reports spread throughout the rest of North America. So, Okay, so let me, let me tell you a, a, a little story about the Pacific Northwest, because right up where I am in Moscow, Idaho, they supposedly had a sighting of Bigfoot, and it was on uh, the Discover Channel. And we recorded it, and it was all up in Moscow Mountain over here in the Pellucid region. And somebody spotted it, and all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you got all these Bigfoot people coming up and trying to find him. Um, of course, they never found him, um, but they had some good clues and good uh, things that claim that he is roaming around somewhere uh, right around where I am. So, um, it seems, yeah, it seems like. Most of the ones that I heard of are in the Pacific Northwest, um, and that is not um, where the first Thanksgiving took place. But also, let's look at the time period. Um, In something called the Bigfoot Casebook, 
written by Janet and Colin Board. They uh, document a bunch of sightings from 1818 to 1980, and there's over a thousand sightings in that book. So, well, obviously, we need to go back to 1621. So we still have to find that out. Now, according to David Daigling, an American anthropologist, the legends predate the name Bigfoot. They differ in their detail, but regionally and between families in the same community. Um, <clears throat> there's another guy named Grover Krantz. He's an American anthropologist and cryptozoologist. And Jeffrey H. Bourne, who's an Australian-American anatomist and primatologist they believe that bigfoot could be a relic population of something called gigantopithecus no idea if i pronounced that right but that's an ex extinct genus i think it's giganta gigantopithe oh god i just had it Pithicus. uh whatever yeah. anyway <laughs> um so it was an extinct genus of ape that existed from perhaps nine million years to as recently as 100,000 years ago, at the same period as Homo erectus would have been dispersed, in what is now India, Vietnam, China, Indonesia, placing, <coughs> here we go again, Gigantopithecus in the same time frame and ge geographical location as se several hominin species. Um, so That still that doesn't say that it's back in the 1600s. But at least I mean, he, he existed. So this creature existed. Now, I talked to Matt Douglas because I know on their show, Night, uh, Nightmare 365, they talk a lot about Bigfoot and, um, you know, the, and Sasquatch creatures. And he said there's definitely um, a lot of legends that go back centuries with several tales coming from the New England area. Um, he even sent me, or he sent both of us a story from November 14th. It was from Fox News about the original Bigfoot being a close relative of the orangutan and that, according to some new, new studies, the lineages of orangutan and gigantopithecus split up about 12 million years ago. So according to this article that Matt sent, Bigfoot was definitely around well before the first Thanksgiving for sure. Um, well, and so anyway, Matt released the following statement. He said, I'd love to break bread with Bigfoot for Thanksgiving. <laughs> so the bottom line is, maybe pilgrims and Indians at the first Thanksgiving were really giving thanks for Bigfoot not taking all their food. Because he does have a pretty big appetite. And if you've read our book, you'll know that he loves those uh, Dairy Queen blizzards. So maybe yeah, well, he was Dairy Queen keeping... wasn't around at that time, though. <laughs> well, that's the thing, is he was probably just keeping the humans around so we would hurry up and invent blizzards. Yeah, maybe. So that's, that's probably what happened. That's a possibility. <laughs> so anyway, there you have it, proved right here on this podcast that Bigfoot is real. And he was, in fact, at the very first Thanksgiving. And, and people need to need to go go back and look that painting up. So once again, it's by Jean Leon Jerome Ferris, um, the first Thanksgiving in 1621, and uh, it was it was uh, painted somewhere between 1912 and 1950. 15. Um, yeah, if you just it, type it's, in it's a neat Bigfoot, picture. 
if you type in Bigfoot Thanksgiving, it, it'll pop up. That picture will pop up, and it's a it's a fun picture. Yeah. So tell us what what you guys think. If you uh, if you think that he's real, uh, you could you could send that in. If you think that you know this painting is is the true painting of the first Thanksgiving, and if he was there. Uh, maybe he was chatting it up with them. I mean, you, you never know. You never know. Uh, and who knows, maybe at your Thanksgiving this year, maybe he'll stop by to break bread with you. Yeah, you never know. You never know. But there is always that chance. And maybe we'll yeah. finally get down to the bottom line that Bigfoot, uh, Bigfoot's hanging out there and wanting to break bread with everybody this Thanksgiving season. That'd be snazzy. All right, so we've uh, come to the end, and uh, at the end of our episodes, we usually like to play a clip from uh, a Halloween Sounds album that we had as kids, but it's Thanksgiving time, so we thought it'd be more fitting if we played a clip from 1988's Thanksgiving Turkey Terrors. This track is called Mark and Janet Get the Bird. Janet, don't turn around. Just run! Oh my gosh, Mark! Run, Janet! Shoot him, Mark! Take that! Is he dead? But I shot him! I swear I shot him! Okay, so it's not a real album, but since it's Thanksgiving, we're going to close with Edie McClurg from uh, 1987's Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. So happy Thanksgiving to all you monsters out there, no matter what kind you are. Gobble, gobble. Woo!